production of Radio Six International. Hello, Edinburgh. It's Thursday, there's four and a half days to go, which is still longer than Glastonbury left at the Edinburgh Festival Fringe. The acts that have been here since the start of the month, the ones that just turned up on Monday, everything in between, late night, early morning, theatre, war, puppetry, uh, mentions on the radio, all of that and more in the next 30 minutes. But that wasn't your traditional triple. You want that now? Here we go. Number one. 20 interviews in 5 seconds. Number 2. From Camden to Edinburgh via Ukraine. That might be a bit metaphorical, that one, okay? And number 3. The continued breaking of a penguin-based promise. I can already hear Dan going, yeah, I know, I know. Well, if you know, do it. You promise. We'll come to that later on in the show. As always, thanks uh, to the team behind the podcast, myself, my family, that uh, let me go out and do all of this thing and the strange hours that have to be kept. Uh, the team over at Radio 6 International, Radio6.com, 24-7 music across Scotland and across the world, syndicating us out so you can hear us around the world as well as streaming online. Our main website, of course, at edmafringe.thepodcastcorner.com. You find us in the application ifringe.com. Point your smartphone there. You'll get the right code downloaded. And the team over at Fringe Review, who are busy putting together tomorrow's final run-through. So I am fully in the chair for all three interviews in today's show. My, that will be fun. Uh, Right then, where shall we start? Julia Sutherland and her show Exposed. That's probably the best place. A career that mixes in many, many disciplines, all now focused on one hour at the Fringe. Join me now on the show, Julie Sutherland, and we might get quite meta here. Yes. <laughs> you've got a show about interviews that came out of a show that you did on the radio of interviews before you interview yourself, and now I'm interviewing you about all the interview shows. Yes, well, the idea with this show is I've been making for the last couple of years, I'm also a radio presenter as well as a comedian, and for the last couple of years I've been making shows for BBC Radio Scotland and uh, BBC Radio 4 where I've been interviewing other comedians. These shows have been about uh, taboo subjects that you wouldn't normally uh, talk about, never mind expect to laugh about. Everything from, you know, divorce to um, death, grief, bereavement, um, sexual assault, even murder, and they sound very bleak, but actually these comedians are so good at turning these awful experiences into some into laughter, um, and that's the transformative power of comedy. So I was really inspired by making these shows. When I would interview them afterwards, we would talk about sort of what's the truth behind the jokes and how do you do this, and um, and I was inspired by their, their openness, their honesty, um, to, to do the same myself. Now, my show's not bleak and dark at all, it's really quite fun, and um, it's about my own personal experiences, which... Um, although 
I've been challenging <laughs> for the last year. I've definitely been nowhere nearly uh, as bad as some of these ones that I've just previously mentioned. Um, so yeah, what I wanted to do was sort of instead of being the one asking the questions, I wanted to be the one answering the questions for a change. So I've sort of designed this show so that I interview myself. It's really less about other people. It's very much about myself. It's very confessional. But yeah, so it's very much sort of taking my own experiences and the things that maybe I think that I know you're not supposed to think and the things that I've done that I know you're not supposed to do um, and saying them out loud and sort of diffusing that uh, tension because I know that I'm not the only one and when you say it out loud and other people go oh my god I'm not alone it sort of takes the the power of some of those things and the pressures and difficult experiences away in it and it, it makes it something that we can share and we can laugh at and that's kind of an, a wonderful thing you know so do you employment wise do you build yourself as a stand-up or a comedian or media producer I am like nobody else, I think, because I'm not just one thing. And I wouldn't want to just be one thing because I love doing comedy. It, probably my favourite thing is being on stage performing. However, I, I love making radio programmes. It's kind of in my blood. I've always, you know, been um, passionate about radio and I and I love uh, other people and finding out about other people's lives. And, um, and so I've really enjoyed making these shows and I wouldn't want to stop doing that. So I want to be able to have this dual kind of thing going because on. the show does bring in all those aspects because you do have the, the media production that goes alongside the elements yeah. the interviewing mm-hmm. and the confidence that comes from doing lots of live radio where it's just like there's a microphone I've got this amount of time I'm comfy here yeah well I guess I, I got into comedy through live radio so I was Fred Macaulay's um, on-air co-host on his morning his BBC Radio Scotland morning show um, as well as being his producer and we were doing an item one day about um, this comedy competition and the organisers were sort of putting out a call to any comedians new comedians that wanted to come and enter the competition and I sort of flippantly said on-air oh I quite fancy doing stand-up you know, not <laughs> thinking nothing more of it and then I get back to the office and the other producer Dave's like alright Julia we've uh, signed you up for the competition so you just need to write five minutes and I'm like what? That so was when what, was that? You- that was in two, oh god oh it was it was about 12 years ago maybe um so we did it as a sort of stunt for the radio show and I thought that's what it was at the time uh, I so we, they, they recorded me getting advice from other comedians, Susan Kalman came and gave me some pointers and then you know I had a little practice gig in a hairdresser salon and it was all just a stunt you know for the show and then I did this, the Scotland uh, heat of this comedy competition and I actually and they recorded that for the show as well because we're playing out the next day so no pressure, first ever gig and it's going out on the radio I guess I had nothing to lose, you know, and it was, and I had a bit of performance background. I'd done some acting in the past, and you know, I've always loved performing. Um, so I just sort of thought, right, well, I'll just play the part of a stand-up comedian, learn my lines, and deliver it, you know, and, and that was something I knew how to do. So I actually won the heat, um, and then I got through to the semi-finals. So this was great for the radio show because it was like, yay, Julia won, yay! Um, and and so my second ever gig was at the Manchester Comedy Store. And uh, I was sitting with all the other people, you know, backstage before we were going to do the gig. And they're like, oh, how long have you been going for? And I was like, oh, I've done two. They're like, oh, two years. And I was like, no, two gigs. This is my second, this is my second gig, second five-minute spot. So I did not uh, do, not didn't get through the semi-finals, but that was fine. And then sort of didn't really think anything more of it. The the, the organiser of the, com- the competition actually asked me to be involved in a play that they were putting on later on with other, some other comedians. Um, and I did that. And so I met some other female comics. And uh, and then I was pregnant, and then I had my son, and then so there was a big sp- space of time between that experience. Um, and then after I had my son, I lost a lot of weight. I lost six stone in weight. And after I'd done that, it was kind of that one of those um, uh, feelings of like, oh wow, I've you know achieved this thing I never thought I could achieve. What else could I do? And and I remembered you know doing the stand up comedy and how how much I'd enjoyed it. I thought, you know what, maybe I'll just 
give that another go. And one of the acts that I'd met um, through the play said, you know what, Julia, I'm doing... Uh, Fran Healy, Irish uh, comedian, very funny, also an actress. She said, I'm doing the Free Fringe this year. Um, we could split the hour if you wanted to. You could do... Uh, do some time with me and I was like that'd be great and she said well why don't you do like 25 minutes or something I was like sure naively thought well that'll be easy right 25 minutes having done literally two two five minute spots in my whole life uh, and looking back now I just absolutely cringe but um, because it takes a long time I mean it takes years to build up to a solid 10 minute spot I mean I'm not joking years of gigging uh, you start off as an open spot it's really like it's a real slog as a comedian it's and it's very hierarchical so you know if anybody had known that I was <laughs> attempting 25 minutes having never done more than five, they would just be horrified. But I did that, had fun, um, and then decided, right, I'm gonna start doing the open spots, doing Red Raw at the stand, and doing everything that I could find, and, and, and just started gigging as much as I could. And then eventually, you know, it got to the point where I felt like I wasn't being a good comedian, I wasn't being a good radio producer, presenter, I wasn't being a good mum because I was trying to do too much. So I was like, something's got to give. So what did I do? That's right, quit my well-paid job at the BBC. Hey. To follow my dreams of becoming a comedian. Um, but yeah, since then I've been working with Dabster Productions pretty much exclusively now, which is an independent production company based in Edinburgh. And, um, and Dabster is the biggest provider of network comedy outside of London. So we make shows for BBC Radio 4, a lot of stuff for Radio 4. Um, and, and for Radio Scotland as well and which there's I lots of shows going on at the Fringe out of that stable as well yeah well we're also uh, Dabster's also producing Terry Alderton uh, the musical which is on at Assembly Studio One he's an absolute genius he's one of my favourite uh, performers and I have seen his show every single night bar one night and I still love watching him and he is physical he does voices and noises he does he's just so clever and he's so different he just sees the world differently I mean he, he is you know his brain is wired differently and that's very much what this show is about you have to go and see it um, it is musical it's not a musical it's ah, I don't know it's, it's a, a really good hour it's a, it is a really good hour really fun really wild ride that you'll just you'll never experience in any other show and there's no time class so you, we can go and see Terry and then we can see you the next day or the other way around because you're in the afternoon probably probably the other way it's late at the fringe it's late to three just take a note so it's 1.30 for my show in the turret at the TV at uh, Gilded Blue and go and see Terry as well at 6.30 at Assembly 1 and outside of the fringe where can people follow you keep an eye on all the upcoming projects well I am on Twitter at Julia Sutherland on there I'm also on Instagram I'm trying to do more on Instagram everyone says oh you have to be on Instagram that's where everyone is and I try but it tends to be nothing 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 and then I have a quiet at night in and nobody's available to text I'm like oh get on Instagram <laughs> and suddenly there's a flurry of pictures of me or maybe I had a few wines um, and that's at Julia Stands Up on uh, Instagram Julia thanks for your time thank you very much for having me Julia Sutherland there and her show Exposed and of course mentioning of course the Terry Alderton musical as well uh, details on both of those shows and links into the box office as always back at our website head along there click on straight into Ed Fringe if you're listening to us on the apps of course you can just point through in the tickets or you can still just probably rock up uh, and get yourself a ticket but be aware it's the last weekend of the Fringe it gets very very busy so make sure to put your tickets in advance and now as promised from Camden to Edinburgh with the show all that remains. All That Remains is one of those small, delicate fringe pieces that make the theatre side of the fringe 
what it is. Uh, it's popped up just for week three, um, so it's really early in the run. And joining me from that show, we have Finn and Vladimir to tell us and take us through a story of war, loss and so All the Remains is based on true stories about real people that were suffered in war that is happening already for three, four years in Ukraine. And like, let's, let's say around 10,000 people were, died in this conflict. And it's not affecting not just those 10,000 people, not just their family, but the families that are... It affects every Ukrainian who lives in our country and even abroad. So we want to, to present in our show that... Like this war is war in the middle of Europe, and it can affect people who who lives everywhere in Europe, who lives in U- in the UK, and how it affects their daily life, how it affects their their feelings, emotions, and so on. And, and while it does highlight this one specific war, it does have that universality and of the pain that it does of any sort of conflict causes. Absolutely. So. Obviously, we are concentrated on this war, but it's it's general about emotions, in general about people's feeling and people's uh, people's actions based on what what is going on and how they react, how they behave themselves, and so on. Yeah, that's. And, that's, and what what role do you have in the play? You're you're playing uh, one of the main characters. Uh, so I, I'm an office manager, person who work in social security office, and somebody who has to deal with those cases when people died or people got injured or um, people got lost in the war. Uh, a person who who not really in the war, not really on the front line, but still I have some emotions, I have some feelings and I ha- have to, to deal with this really, really difficult and complicated cases. Um, so I take uh, the role of the, the soldier in the performance, one of the, one of the own, well, the only character in the show who's actually on the, the front line um, and my role kind of contrasts with the role of, of everyone else who's more kind of affected by what's going on. Now the show itself as we said there at the, the top you've only brought it up for week three just at the tail end of the fringe but you, you were doing the Camden Festival fringe before coming up to Edinburgh. That's right. I think in thinking about Camden in the context of Edinburgh, you have to remember that Camden is, is also it's a very London-based thing. The people who, who do Camden tend to be people who are based in London or know people in London, whereas Edinburgh really is a beautifully international festival and it's got people and companies that are coming from everywhere. Edinburgh is also because it's so much bigger there's also so much more kind of urgency with everything in terms of the getting and getting out and having to warm up in a closet as opposed to Camden where we you know we text for the kind of three four hours before the show and kind of we're able to kind of lull our way into it happening and so we went out to the Royal Mile so we went straight from that straight to the theatre, straight to warming up, straight to getting on stage and now straight out of it, basically. And and all that change, that transition into the show, it's five minutes at most. Exactly, exactly. It's, um, we get in at 1.50, we have seven minutes and then the audience come in for about three of them which was very different to Camden where we were kind of in and around the area for the kind of three, four hours beforehand and the audience were kind of coming in for 10, 15 minutes and then we go and do it. So it's, a, it's definitely a very different environment. Everyone should, be, should know what they're doing really well and everyone should, should 
should be on their position at a time and do what they they have to do because we we don't have spare moments we don't have spare spare time so we have props and everyone dealing with their own props put everything on the place so we are really really active and this activity this urgency before play goes into a play so we already up and ready on a play to, to do our stuff to do what we meant to do as a small theater company it's a small theater piece what what do you want to happen next? I think um, I think the beauty of the fringe is when you go up, you kind of don't really know what to expect from it. I mean, um, the artistic director of the company, Alessia, she came up uh, with the company for the first time three years ago, uh, basically thinking, you know, I I would like to bring something Ukrainian to the festival and to have something to to work with, and then and then the year after that. So that was at the Quaker Meeting House, and then the year after that, they performed a show called Migrants of Talent, which took place at Paradise at Augustine's. And um, two years later, here we are, and we're doing a show at Greenside. And so the the kind of the venue ladder of Edinburgh is being climbed, but also for us, the the opportunities that we're getting and the people who are talking to us has also widened. Even before the Fringe had even started, once the program had gotten released, a theatre in Bristol came and invited us to go and uh, to go and perform. It's that line on the CV. The, the, the value in Edinburgh is not necessarily in the ticket sales. Um, but ticket sales are always important. It's great to have an audience in. That's the whole point of why we all do this sort of stuff in Edinburgh. So remind us when the show is on. Every day till 25th of August at 2pm in Greenside, Infirmary Street. Finn, for the air, thanks very much for your time. Thank you. Thank you very much, Ewan. Thanks to Finn and Vodmir there from All That Remains. Okay, uh, there are many places that the show was recorded. Some of them are done in studio, some are done, many of them are done in Fringe Central, some are done up in the very many clubs, bars, and coffee shops at Popular Edinburgh, but only one was done in a stairwell because it was very busy inside it was rainy outside and it was relatively quiet in the stairwell and we got a nice view of the city as well as i chat to dan and tom clarkson about their show mr thing we guaranteed in the edit he never stitches you up with outtakes <laughs> ever Dan, when have I ever stitched you up in the edit? Well, never. I mean, you know, 10 years now, and I'm sure I've always sound great. I've sound intellectual when I talk to you. It's it's a difficult edit. It's a very difficult edit when you talk to me, yeah. I think half of it ends up on the cutting room floor. Our last Um, interview was four days. Yeah, indeed, yeah. And most of your stuff ended up on the floor, and Jeff did most of the talking. Yeah, which is unusual for Jeff, but then, you know, he's a puppet. So it's my voice anyway. It's a ventriloquist act I've just been doing very well with for a long time. You know, nobody listening to the show has any idea what we're going on about. I know, I know. It's <laughs> we'll just leave it at that, not yeah. mention any shows. Anyway, be on the cutting room floor again. It will it? be, yeah. This is just the warm up because yeah. in the moment I'm just going to go on joined by Dan Clarkson. Yay! It's good to yeah, be And all that stuff we've done beforehand. Is on the cutting room floor. Yeah. Oh. Or you've been framed for 250 quid. Yeah, well, if you can get 250 quid for anything I say, then I've said, yeah. Take now, that's now. Fair. Dan Clarkson joins me now. Um, a successful entrepreneur at the Fringe who has made his name, who has created controversy, who has come back year after year after year, and his bank manager loves him. Yeah, I'm almost like an Edinburgh stalwart, somebody said, which makes me feel really You can get cream for that. Yeah, oh, thank you very much. I'm hoping it will go away soon. Okay, so... 
People may remember you from Potted Potter. People may remember you from Potted Pirates. People may remember you from writing and directing that weird theatre thing two years ago. Uh, instead of uh, your compatriot from the, the Potted Legacy, mm-hmm. uh, you've got somebody who's taller than you. Yeah, I've actually joined the newer, improved model of me, which is my younger brother, who's brought his brainchild of a show up, and so I've jumped on that bandwagon. I'm riding coattails this year. That's, That's my plan. So, also joining us, we have Tom Clarkson. Hey, nice to see you. Okay. Now, so, just so, so, say your name, Tom. My name's Tom. Dan. Tom. Dan. Right, okay, so just to let people hear, there's a slight difference. So, obviously, bigger and better things. You want to bring up a successful show. How is Potted Penguins doing? Oh, it's so good. It's wonderful. <laughs> I mean, it's quite hard to keep them all together in one place, but they're, they're lovely. They can't fly, we learned recently. That's good. See, he'll carry on with that. There is no Potted Penguins. I know for the last, what are we now, eight years you've wanted this show. It was No, your, no, no, no. It's, no, no. Hold, it's not I wanted this show. Yeah. My daughter's asked you what you were going to bring to the Fringe next, and you and Jeff said... Potted Penguins. And have you bought it to the Fringe yet? No, and it's haunted me every year. I mean, your daughter's, what, like eight? How old are they now? They're 14 and 16. Okay, that was a long time ago then. Well, we're working on it. We're getting it absolutely right. You know, that's the problem. We are writing most of our jokes by using the back of Penguin Rap if that helps. That's where most of our jokes are coming from now. So you're lifting copyrighted material yeah. to put into your show and you're admitting this on microphone? Yeah, yeah. Wait. Yeah, good, <laughs> no. well done. No, is that you shouldn't bad? have said that. No, you shouldn't have said that. That's, I mean, it's true. Yeah. He gets to the heart and soul of every show, does you? <laughs> I can feel and, it. And Dan likes to drop in quotes from De Powell from 1987 in the hopes that I don't notice. Yeah, but you always notice. <laughs> I remember we did the Das Boot reference in one of our show's kids' shows, and you were the only one who laughed and went, Das Boot! And everyone said, like, what on earth are they talking about? So you always get my references. Something wrong with Das Boot is one of Wolfgang Peterson's finest ten hours. Yeah, no, I agree. I think I'm... Film version at two and a half. Mm, yeah. bit not sure. Yeah, no, I think Mr. Thing is running about ten hours if you come and see it. We could talk about your show. Yeah, let's do that. Well, I mean, I'm that's gonna... probably a thing we should do, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yes. On. So we do. Oh, hold on. You're not allowed to use the letter G. Okay, got it. Uh. Wait, uh, uh, wait, <laughs> but the letter G. Yeah. Is in the show title. Yeah, no, you're not allowed to use the letter G. Right. That's the deal. You're gonna have to work yeah. around it. But wait, that means he's doing a show called Mr. Thin. I mean, that sounds. <laughs> that sounds. Very different same. from what you're doing. Okay, well, the show's called Mr. Thing. Mm. Uh, and it's a, it's a late night chat show that we do. But we, we're late, sorry, late. A late night chat late. show. A, <laughs> a late night uh, chat show. And we have three different guests on every night. Sorry, you have three different. <laughs> Sorry, you could use one more time. Jay. I reckon if you use Jay. Three different jests so on every night, uh, every night, um, knit, uh, and it's a lot of fun. It's really good. We've got a live house. It's really, oh, it's really jud. It's oud. <laughs> uh, we've got a live house band on stage. That's okay. That's okay. We're okay with that. We've got a puppet barman. We've. Oh, we've got a puppet barman. Uh, right. Every time you do a G, you're donating £10 to charity. Is that right? Oh, I'm very happy to then. £10? In that case, we, uh, we play a lot of games. We have some <laughs> 20, guests. 30? A goat. Uh, a goat. 40? Sorry, did I say you were paying? Dan's paying. Oh, even better. It's a... Wait, yeah, but you mean... Great. Pocket, <laughs> 50? It's a great, great... 60, 70? Great. 80? Just great. 90? I mean, it's great, I'd say. 110? It's good as well. It's 120 pounds. You can uh, tell Tom's the host of the show with that sort of yeah. very large vernacular vocabulary. 130. Oh yeah, but I'm fine. It's, I'm just going to give to you anyway. It's a good charity to the Penguin Show. <laughs> the what show? 
Oh, I can't even do that. What is that without the G? Penguin. 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 Yeah, penguin. Penguin. It's a better show, I'd say. Yeah. We've been telling about for years. So we do the we do a chat show. It's a good show. It's a fun show. So every night we get three different guests onto the show, and like I say, we've got a house band that kind of play them in, and then we play different games with them, and we write a different show every night depending on who the guest is. So every show is sort of different. So when we find out who the guest is that morning, we then all get together, figure out what the show is going to be that evening, and we do a kind of chat. So how, how much variety in the games and the guests do you have? I mean, are you tailoring games in each show, or have you got like a, a bank of five of them and you choose three each night? That, that well, would have been a good idea. Yeah, that would have been a much better idea and that was sort of the plan but we just we're too ambitious with it when we got here we were too excited so we had a guy on who's an incredible mind reader called Thomas McCabe and we played the McCabe toss games which were incredible so we had pictures of his face on, on balls that the audience had to toss then into a basket we also had the mini McCabe toss that was good as well we had little See, the problem is caber tossing isn't about distance or accuracy no it's about style no it's about how close you can stay to 90 degrees is that right I thought it was about style we were told it was about style no no it's like when you toss the caber yeah. it's measured how far off that angle you throw so if you throw it to the side and it just falls to the left yeah. that's like 90 degrees off nice. that's the worst caber toss you can have if you have it and it goes just top over bottom directly forward Right. That's a perfect caber toss. And we were told there was it was all about the style. That's what we were told. I mean, not just about the style. Obviously, the style is about how to keep it in the well, correct place. After you do the, there's a bit of a jump, isn't there? There's a bit of jump and a flip and a twist, isn't that? Yeah. And you've got to try and keep that all yeah. all in the sort of same plane. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I'll show you this. Look at this backflip a second. And that's how I do it, I think. See, and that's, it's not bad, it's at least seven degrees off, so, you know, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, was, it was fun, but we, but we tailored that and purely around. <laughs> do you know if a cave is tossed in the wood and no one's around, it doesn't make a sound? That's true. I'm just saying that's true, it's a true fact that I found about the cave toss. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's true. Try so you it. know about... How did you find out? Yeah. Well, I went and tossed a cave in the woods. <laughs> And did, did it stay vertical or did it fall to the side? It just it sort of wobbled, went down. I've got really nothing to say about caber tossing. I literally have no, no idea I mean, on this. We, we don't know a lot about caber tossing. My, my point is that we've got, we had a mind reader on, and rather than using one of the many, like, we got loads of jo- games and jokes around magicians, we built a game around his name, because every day when we're like, okay, we could use these old games, it's too much fun to, for us to sit in a room and come up with new stuff, so we do it every day, and we have yeah. a lot of fun. So, but one example, though, is you've got a ping-pong ball game. Yeah, we do. Well, actually, I'll tell you what we do have. We have a bottom that is cooked up to a Facebook counter so that everyone who likes us on Facebook during the show, this fires a ping-pong ball out of a cannon straight into um, the head of our band's face. And so that was a great idea until we realised you can unlike and like. So we have people at home, sort of at 11.40, who have seen the show before, unliking, liking, and then texting, going, did it fire, did it fire? And this poor, I think he's having horror nightmares, isn't he? Because it's got two pistons, one to release a ball and then one to fire it. So before it fires, you hear this horrible, like, (coughs) sound. And and you hear it, he hears it in the street now, he's walking along, he's like, it's like, what's wrong? I heard it again, it's following me. Now, it would be terrible if any of our listeners online got the Facebook API and actually made an automatic program to do that. I know, make sure you don't tell them the Facebook page so this will definitely not yeah, happen. I definitely won't tell them that. What would you not tell them the pages? I wouldn't tell them that it is we are thing. Sorry, we are <laughs> yeah. If they look at we are thin, that's a completely different Facebook page. You know, you're going to see things you we're don't. We're much more see. arrogant if we've called that Facebook page we, we are thin. thin. <laughs> and yeah. Definitely not after a month up in Edinburgh. No, I'm true. far from I'm thin. I'm not feeling that. Yeah. yeah, We've got to stop drinking so much as well. 
Yeah. Well, we had, um, what was it, when we first got our stickers done, the T was put over the white, and everyone thought our show was called We Are Hing, which was a different... So we Are Hing. So that would be We Are Hin, with, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. a completely different show now. Isn't it? We just keep dropping letters till we just got We Are I. Yeah. Or We Are... We Are I. Yeah, we so are we I. are one collective, yeah, like, like the Borg. It. I like that. Yeah. We Are... It. We, yeah. we... Oh, then just We just Are... Just We Are. And then just We... we. And w- w- Yeah, it's nice. And then we cease to exist. Yeah. Their wealth gone quite empty. Back to me in the studio. I was interviewing Dan. But I was thinking of Jeff. Dan Clarkson and Tom Clarkson there from the show Mr. Thing. Also, thanks to Finn and Vladimir uh, from the show All That Remains and Julie Sutherland from the show Exposed. All of those links back at our website, edinburghfringe.thepodcastcorner.com. You knew that bit already. You always do. The uh, fringe, the end of the fringe, it does approach. But what have you missed? What's the big names? What's under the radar from the mainstream press that you really need to find out about? Listen in tomorrow, be it radio, podcast, audio, streaming, in the app, whatever, because we're going to take you through our recommendations of some of the best shows. You need a guide for what to do in the final weekend. We'll be that guide. I'm Ewan Spence. Friday, our final show, your final chance to build a great recommendation list to enjoy the Edinburgh Festival Fringe. Ta-ra for now. From the Fringe is presented and produced by Ewan Spence and is a production of Radio 6 International, copyright 2018.